2: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right,
0: Pharrell, back with you on Coast to Coast. We bring Mafia in now. Uh, Brian Ciano, our obvious uh, producer, and, of course, uh, extraordinaire when it comes to Uh, mixed martial arts, UFC, and Bellator. He's got the inside skinny. Great better when it comes to uh, these fights. He's been incredible. Mafia, take me back to, uh, well, it was a crazy weekend because you had Bellator 245 on Friday, and then... Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we were on the air, you and I, on Pharrell and a Bench on Sports Grid Radio overnights, and uh, the main stack card was just about to start, and so we really didn't get into that. And then Saturday they had 246. They had another Bellator card as well as the UFC fight night. So why don't you start with, I mean, whatever you prefer, if you want to do the uh, Bellator first since that was Friday and then follow it up with the Saturday one, and then we can get into the fight night if that
3: works for you. Yeah, sure, Scott. Like I said, it was a loaded week, and not one, not two, but three fight cards. Two with Bellator, one with the UFC. All up, well, not necessarily free, because the, the- UFC was on ESPN Plus, but the other two were on uh, Paramount Network for the Bellator ones, like they have. On Friday night, we had Phil Davis going against Leota Machida. It was a rematch at the main event from their UFC days, and uh, went pretty much like we thought. It was a split decision, surprisingly. I thought it was you know pretty clear who won it, but Phil Davis gets the win here over Leota Machida. You know he was doing a good job getting in there and not giving Machida the space he wanted in order to get those karate style strikes from you know the the counters he likes to do from distance, he let him do that. There were some of those kicks. He even used some of Machida's own push kick techniques that he you know, used against him years ago and used that in this fight to get some points here and there, too. So he gets a split decision win and moves on there and uh, moves up in that weight division, the light heavyweight, continues to the nice run there. He's had at Bellator, might even be challenging soon. Nemkov, the title there in that light heavyweight division. Uh, the other fight that we picked was the co-main event, and that was Kat Zingano making her Bellator debut pretty much. Did exactly what you want to do. Unanimous decision. They used the the grappling, the wrestling, just dominated. Not much of a fight. The odds weren't great on it. You know, she was a heavy favorite because of that. But we went 2-0 in that one. So if you maybe doubled them up, did a little parlay, worked out well for you. And then Belcher 246 on Saturday night was actually the later of the ones, kind of filling in the Pac-12 role there as the 10 p.m. fight card. And we picked a couple ones there. The top three fights. First, Liz Carmouche made her debut from Bellator. Another you know, UFC women's fighter was upper in the division, makes down Bellator now. So does a great job using her wrestling, her technique, gets a submission win with the rear naked choke there in her debut. Another big favorite, but one you could parlay and make some money on. Then we get into the better fights as far as the odds went for us. And that was Neiman Gracie, of course, of the famous Gracie family, getting his win over John Fish, the UFC veteran dominated him with the wrestling and the grappling, ends up getting a submission. He gets a heel hook in the uh, the second round there, late in the second round to win the fight, and actually retires John Fitch. Fitch, after the fight was done, took the gloves off, laid him in the middle of the kick the there, and he's done. He's retiring, so Neiman with a uh, nice win there to do well for the Gracie family. He's got a nice record there in Bellator as well. And then in the main event was Juan Archuleta versus Patchy Mix, for the bantamweight title there, it was vacant title, so these two guys were fighting for it. Juan Chaletta was more of a veteran in the Bellator uh, and didn't look good early on. We took him. He was a slight underdog here, but did not look good. He was getting dominated in the first two rounds where Mix took him down, had his back, kind of had the choke in there a couple times, but being the veteran that he is and the guys that he trains with survives, gets into the third, fourth, fifth rounds, and from there just took over, did exactly what he wanted to do using his speed and uh, you know his striking advantage there against Mix to get in there, get some couple strikes, get a couple combos, get out before he was taken down again, and pretty much controlled around three, four, four, five to steal the decision victory. Now he is the Bantamweight champ of Bellator.
0: All right. So we welcome in all of our radio affiliates. Uh, Don't forget sportsgridradio.com. Get the Sports Grid Radio app. You can listen to all the Sports Grid TV shows and radio shows on the Sports Grid Radio app. It's incredible. And check out our YouTube page. Just search Sports Grid Radio and you can watch us do the shows. You get Ferrell on the Bench, Sports Rage, and Bagels and Bad Beats. You're going to love it. Sports Grid Radio Overnights, and don't forget we're on Mightier 1090 in all of Southern California and San Diego. So, uh, Mafia, I got to ask you, uh, the deal that Coker cut with CBS Sports Network, uh, I think it helps them based on, uh, I don't think anyone, frankly, that's just me, knows about Paramount. Uh, and I think that this will help CBS Sports Network Sands the bowling and rodeo that they actually have Bellator fights on their network now. I think it'll actually enhance uh, what has been a viewerless network, in my opinion. Uh, bottom line is, do you like the deal that Bellator cut? And do you think Bellator's doing well with their, you know, events and fight cards?
3: Well, I think it makes sense for them because, you know, they are owned by Viacom, which is in bed with CBS. Obviously, same family, so that makes sense for them to move over there. You know, Spike or now Paramount is a channel that not everybody really knows or follows. Is not too much on there that people are, you know, really appreciative of. So it's not one that people, you know, know how to tune into. But obviously, with CBS behind them, you'll get both uh, promotion on the website, I'm sure. We'll probably get promotion on the network, maybe even on the big network. Sometimes you get some fight cards. I think any deal where you bring in a major network for the sport is important. It's big, and it helps you out majorly.
0: All right, let's talk about the UFC Fight Night card on Saturday night. What did you think of that?
3: Yeah, there was some controversy. It didn't work out for us as well there because of that controversy because we had uh, Ed Herman losing in that fight. We hit the overall one and a half in that fight, but we had him losing, and he went down early. He acted like it was in the crotch. It wasn't that he was down. He was about to get finished. The ref stopped it. He comes back later on, even while he's getting beaten, gets the submission there. Michelle Waterson had a great fight against Angela Hill as the main event. Could have gone either way. We had Hill. Rest took Watterson, so the judges kinda of hurt us there. But overall it was a good card. It was very exciting. Uh Attman had a great fight there, a very exciting fight there at lightweight. It's kind of put his name in the rankings now. We'll see where he goes from here.
0: All right. So uh unless I'm crazy, what did the uh didn't the karate hottie fight or am I missing something? She
3: did. Yeah, Watterson won. She got the the decision win over Angela Hill, so she moves up now and bounces back from some losses.
0: All right, uh, so uh, I know Conor McGregor's got nothing but problems. We'll get into that on Ferona Bench tonight.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, Pharrell back on Coast to Coast. On a Monday, we bring in our NFL insider, Adam Kaplan, now on Sports Grid. Adam, how you doing? I know you're in Pharrell, Philadelphia uh, at the radio station <laughs> there. I can see all those communists flyer banners over your shoulder. Uh, let them know what I think of them. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, so you can have, uh, you know, some bad language when we're off air and give them that too. But let me ask you, let's start with sure. the Eagles. I want to – I just couldn't even believe it because I was on Neither the Eagles. You're up 17 to nothing, and what happened?
4: Well, real, here's what happened. Uh, Carson Wentz turned the ball over three times. They were minus three in the turnover category. In NFL history, if you if you lose the turnover battle, you lose at least seventy five percent of your games. That was a problem. Now, as you said, they got up seventeen nothing. They didn't score in the second half. They got outscored twenty four to nothing after they were up seventeen to nothing. Their defense hung in there. The, the The Washington team had no offense. It was just a matter of lack of execution on offense. Wentz got sacked eight times. At least half of them were on him. Some drop passes uncharacteristically by Zach Ertz. Uh, a couple routes that were not run correctly by some of the receivers. And this thing snowballed. From a front office standpoint, my understanding is they had the same taste they had in this game that they had when they lost at Miami. They had a lead. They melted in the sun in Miami. This game was in the low 80s in Washington. They lost a lot of players in this, this game, Scott, on both sides of the football, particularly on defense. They were down two DNs. ends. They're down their top outside corner. Craig James is going to miss several weeks. They're down their third end, Vinnie Curry. They're starting in Derek Barnett. They're not sure if he's going to play this week with a lingering hamstring injury. They're down two offensive linemen. But they're very lucky the Dallas Cowboys lost because that is their competition in the NFC East.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, So are are they expecting Sanders
4: to be back this week? Is that the plan? They're going to practice him more this week. I'm told he has a grade two hamstring strain. That's a moderate strain. That's about a four-week injury. Well, guess what? Tuesday of this week will be exactly four weeks. So he's very, very close. Until last Thursday, his practice got... He He just looked fantastic. But here's the problem. He didn't practice fully. He needs to go through a full practice week. So if you got him in fantasy, once you start seeing him practicing fully, he's going to play that week, barring a setback.
0: So uh, who do they play this week? They're at home, right?
4: Oh, it's a tough one. They play the Rams, who beat the Cowboys. Remember, the Rams run more of a spread offense. The Eagles are down at outside corner. They don't really have a top outside backup corner here. They're in trouble. Because the Rams, they could go what we call 11 personnel with three receivers and one back. They could go 12 personnel with two tight ends with Gerald Everett. Of course, Tyler Higbee. So I think Philly's in trouble trouble here. And that was a very good win for the Rams Sunday night on the road. But you know how it is. got to travel six hours. That's a six-hour flight. I've made it many times from L.A. to Philly and Philly to L.A. So it won't be easy. But you know what? There are no fans at this game. This is one of the stadiums where you, you will not see fans in at least September in Philly.
0: I thought it was bizarre seeing that uh, $6 billion SoFi stadium have no fans in it. What a beautiful Shangri-La that place is, but nobody was there. What did you think of that magnificent new stadium? It's something else.
4: Yeah, and I saw it when we were watching Hard Knocks. We were able to see it. But see, here's the thing. That a coach told me this. It was actually an offense coordinator a couple weeks ago. He said, because fans will not be at most games, and if they are, there's not much of a home field, field advantage. I don't think Kansas City, you and I talked last Thursday and Friday, Kansas City is just a better football team. I don't think the crowd had anything to do with it, the little crowd that they had. It's now coaches versus coaches, players versus players on the field. Now you really see who's got the better team and the better coaching staff. And I think we saw a lot of that, not only last Thursday with the Chiefs over the, the Texans, but I think we saw it in that game that you mentioned. Cowboys have a new coaching staff. Guess what? The Rams are a returning staff. That helped them. I don't think there's any question in that game last night.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider on uh, Sports Grid and Coast to Coast. Let's talk about the Packers. Boy, did they chew and spit out the Vikings. You know, uh, you and I talked about this. I said, listen, Aaron Rodgers seems to own this team and Cousins does not play well against Green Bay. But I was surprised at how ugly it was. I mean, uh, the Packers just dominated that football game any way you slice it.
4: Yeah, here's what happened, Scott, and I knew this was going to happen at some point. I know it would be the first week, obviously, with Rodgers. He's had good numbers against him. but here's the deal. The Vikings are starting two young corners who have not started an NFL game. Mike Hughes was their first-round pick in 18. He tore his ACL. He finished last season as well in IR. They've got Cameron Dansler, who's a tall but slower corner, and Rodgers and Devontae Parker-Burdum, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, who I talked to on NFL Radio a couple weeks ago. MVS told me that he had two injuries last season. That slowed him down. He didn't, he didn't play well. And Rodgers on our tra- on the training camp tour uh, for Sirius, he said that, look, he, his timing wasn't there with him. He needed to mature and grow up a little bit. He had a great game. He had a deep pass for a touchdown. And that is a good sign because when you look at the Packer offense, real last season. They were so darn conservative. They were not conservative. They were anything but. They were very aggressive. But I could tell you, knowing Mike Zimmer, I do. He's going to make sure that, that they're aware of how bad they were. I remember a couple years ago when they got smoked at the Rams. Their, their secondary was terrible to start the season. He got their attention. He's going to get their attention in practice this week. You believe that.
0: I mean, I got to tell you, though, uh, the Packers looked to me completely greased. Like they made it to the NFC Championship game. I know they lost, but they looked that good to me yesterday.
4: They did. Now, their offensive line did very well. One of their one of their top six linemen, Lane Taylor, is probably not going to come back. He got hurt in that game uh, for the season. He won't, I don't think he's coming back, but overall, it was good to see that they were able to get the passing game going. Devontae Adams is incredible. Devontae Adams is one of those corners, Scotty. He doesn't run all that well, but just gets open. Like Anquan Bolden, didn't run that well. Ran a 4-7 at the Combine. He's a second-round pick. Devontae Adams is a second-round pick, but the guy just gets the job done and that was really good to see. Aaron Jones had a nice game. Uh, but the the Vikings, man, their defense was horrendous in this game. I was kind of surprised. It shows you, once again, home field means absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah, and I got to agree with you. Aaron Jones, I love him. I think he's a great player, and he's only getting better. Speaking of bad defense, the Falcons had it going yesterday oh on goodness. full display at Mercedes. They got smoked by Russell Wilson, and I know you uh, – Talked about it going into the game that they wanted to throw more and be more aggressive with uh, letting Russell get unleashed, and I think they came out and just started <laughs> slinging it from the
4: jump. They've Scott. Here's here's my report. You, you've heard the term "let Russ cook." What that really meant is not throwing it more overall, but coming out throwing just as you said. And I'd heard through a couple people with Seahawks that this is finally going to be it. Finally, after a series of years, you know, Pete Carroll's a guy that could be stubborn, like most head coaches who come from the defensive side of the football. They, they don't want the correct throwing; They want to run, win with defense. You saw when Marshawn Lynch was there. That, that worked. Well, number one, their defense isn't very good, particularly in the secondary. Uh, so they have certain issues at corner. They're good at safety, obviously, with Jamal Adams, who had a good game, by the way, against Atlanta. But Pete Carroll has resisted throwing the ball early. Well, first series, nine passes, two runs. Oh, boy. Here we go. He did it. Uh, they threw the ball way more in the first half than, than, than they did run it. And this is a sea change, ironically, for the Seahawks. They've changed. I believe this will happen. It's not one game aberration, which people are trying to tell me on Twitter or on social media on Sunday. I didn't know what I was talking about. You watch it. I believe that they're onto something here and they're letting Russ cook in Seattle.
0: So, respectfully, I just have over a minute. I thought Adams and their defense uh, looked fantastic. On both sides of the ball, I give Seattle A's.
4: Yeah, in fact, Seattle told me that they were going to use him as a blitzer. Jamal Adams, of course, the former first-round pick of the Jets, and they did that. And don't forget, they're not very good on their D-line, particularly at, at DN. end They're just not. They don't have very good pass rushers. So, that was a good trade. They gave a lot for him, obviously, but they're going to use him a specific way. But I do want to see what happens as we go along here. A, if they're going to continue to throw early, that's going to help them because they're a fantastic wide receiver. Metcalf and Lockett are terrific. They're very deep at tight end as well. But I do think teams are going to attack those those corners that they have. I don't think they're great there. That's how you beat them is you throw at those corners. So I want to see if they can do this game to game, but they are off to a terrific start Seattle. That, 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 I thought that would be a high-scoring game, and it certainly was.
0: Well, when we come back on Coast to Coast, I want to ask uh, Adam Kaplan a little bit more about uh, the Falcons because I thought they looked so terrible that you know that Arthur Blank isn't happy seeing that team come out and lay another defensive egg. They looked as bad as they did all last year. And I have to say, I think uh, Matt Ryan, people have to start asking questions about Matt Ryan. I'm sick of hearing about Matty Ice. How about he's, uh, you know... Not playing well at all. The ice is melting. Are people going to start saying, is he bad? Well, look, the bottom line is that right. I saw more at a one drive from Joe Burrow than I've seen, you know, in the last
5: four years, five years, last maybe, honestly, last 10 years from Dolphin quarterbacks. The Sports Grid Network.
4: All right,
0: great stuff, Cam Stewart in Toronto. Don't forget, game time decisions coming up. Top of the hour. We're talking to Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider on Sports Grid and Coast to Coast. Adam, I left off talking about Dan Quinn. He's clearly on a hot seat. You can't tell me Arthur Blank enjoyed watching that yesterday. And I mentioned Matt Ryan. I thought he looked awful. I'm telling you, like, he was running for his life. Now, I'll blame the offensive line, but I'm, I've am i been hearing about this guy being so fantastic since the Super Bowl year, but they blew that game, too. When are people going to start shredding him?
4: Well, okay, let's start with Matt Ryan, who you just mentioned. Matt Ryan, he was not sharp yesterday. Their, their a game was not particularly sharp. Yeah, they had to come from behind. Well, they didn't, really. They had to throw from behind. It didn't happen. Uh, he just was nine and crisp they've made a lot of offensive line changes. You know, they've drafted a lot of guys in the first and second round the last couple of years. They're just, they were out of sorts. There's no question about it. Now, defensively, though, they're a train wreck. I mean, they were an absolute train wreck yesterday. Remember, they made a change last season. They went with dual coordinators. Then this season, they made a decision to go through Raheem Morris, the former Bucks head coach, is a pretty good defensive coach, pretty sharp guy. They just didn't look good, very good yesterday. Now, when you talk about the hot seat with Dan Quinn, Most people around the league thought he was going to get fired. But the owner, Arthur Blank, who you mentioned, gave him a reprieve. He said, go out and make some changes on defense. He did. This is it here. Now, this is only game one. But they got off to a bad start last season. It looked very bad for him at Ominous after the midway point in their bye. But Dan survived. He's a good head coach. He's been to the Super Bowl. But they've been on the downward slide here. And things were not very good in that game. No question about it. They did not look right. This is yet another example of, with this football team, by the way, you mentioned Atlanta, who had high hopes of not having a preseason and offseason. They were very young, and it certainly looked like it against Seattle.
0: So you saw the Cowboys uh, lose to the Rams. They had every chance to win that game. I couldn't believe they couldn't do anything in the second half. you got to give the Rams credit. But I am a little surprised to see – Mike McCarthy take that much heat after one game that he took. I mean, I know it's bad in Dallas. The media is intense. And I know uh, Cowboys get national exposure like no other. But he's taken a lot of heat for uh, losing one game to a good team, didn't you think? And I know they lost. They had a lot of big injuries, Vander Ash being yeah, one of yeah. them. And I know they lost their tight end.
4: Yeah, Jarwin, Blake Jarwin, their tight end, They're starting to end. He signed a pretty good contract earlier this year. He, he He's lost. For the season due to torn ACL, Leighton Van Arash. The the MRI confirmed he does have a broken collarbone. He, he's going to be out up to two months. That's that's crushing. They think he's an ex-Brian Erlacher. That's how talented he is. That's a big one. And remember, he moved inside this season. He was playing outside before. Uh, they were not also very crisp on offense. That They seemed to be a little bit off. Uh, Zeke Elliott looked good. But defensively, they did not get to Jared Goff enough. They, they hit him a couple times. Old Smith made a nice play coming back from being out of the league for five years. But they also were not super crisp. I was a little bit disappointed with that game. But as you just said, game was tight. They could have won it. The Rams win it. Jalen Ramsey was terrific in that game. The thing about the Rams in that game was they didn't give up any big plays. They kept everything in front of them. That's the key to this thing now with the rules, Scott, the way that they are. you got to keep the receivers in front of you because the rules favor offense. When you look at Dallas, though, they did lose. Philly lost. Washington won. The Giants play tonight. Look, the two worst teams in that division could actually be in first place after tonight. We'll see. I doubt it. I doubt the Giants win against your Steelers, but stranger things have happened.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's going to last uh, with Washington and let's say the Giants. Uh, I right. think I still believe in Philly. Uh, they'll figure that out, and I know Dallas is good. They lost to a good team. I bet on the Rams in that game. I have to ask you about the surprising game for me, to be honest that stood out the most was what the Jaguars did to the Colts because the Jags actually, they had been written off. They're the worst team in the league. Everyone's been making fun of them. Uh, they like got Miami. rid of Nagakwe and and Fournette and they, people are saying they won't even win four games. And they went out and punched the Colts right in the throat.
4: They did, Scott. And here's the thing with Gardner Mincher, their quarterback, who was 19 out of 20. He had a great game, very, very accurate. Uh, one of only four quarterbacks in NFL history to put up a percentage like that with at least 20 throws. Here's the thing with Minshew. The guy's got talent. He might have been a six-round pick. I get it. I had a personnel man that I know very, very well who I respect who's overseeing personnel for uh, an NFL team tell me that. He's better than half the quarterbacks in this league. And this guy was a six-round pick order, Minshew. So the talent's there. But see, the pressure, Scott, they're going to be bad, okay? Let's call it like it is. They're like Miami last year. No one had any, any expectations. Miami had five wins, but Miami played hard for Brian Flores. This is going to be a bad football team. They're going to have trouble scoring. They, they as you mentioned, and has gone. Several key Ramsey's long gone. Several key players on defense are gone. They're not going to be very good. This is a good. This is a win at home for them. Though, really, quite frankly, it's home field doesn't really matter at this point. That was a good win for them, but they're not going to be very good. James Robinson, an undrafted free agent, started for them at running back yesterday. Did a good job. This is a good win for them. But the, the fact of the matter is they're not very – like Washington, as you mentioned. Washington's a five-win team. I've talked to teams who are playing Washington coming up. They've watched their tape already today. They see the personnel on offense. They're not going to be able to score. That Week one is weird, man. Things that you expect to happen don't and the exact opposite. Right. I, I try not to make too many bold statements, but I think your point on Atlanta is fair. They didn't look good. Seattle did what I was told they were going to do. They're going to come out throwing. So certain things are good. Certain things, I'd be careful if make any broad statements.
0: So I saw when Marlon Mack went down, the first thing I thought was is that he tore his Achilles because he didn't do anything to his ankle, and they were saying he had an ankle injury, and I knew the way he pulled up, he reminded me of Kobe Bryant, anybody else that goes down, they go down in a heap, KD, whoever, all I know is that's huge for... Uh, the Colts, but that John Taylor—that opens the door for the kid out of Wisconsin, and I think he's an absolute horse. If he stops fumbling like he did in college, that guy is a great running back.
4: Yeah, they were—they already said he's going to start. We knew that when he was drafted. He's going to take over from Marlon Mack. Here's the problem with Marlon Mack: it's the final year of his rookie deal. They—they uh, they, the Colts said they were not going to extend his contract this offseason. They didn't. And John Taylor's going to take that job. He's going to run with it. He is a. Bell cow back. That's what Frank Reich, the head coach, wants. He wants to run the football and hopefully win with defense. I don't think their defense is that great yet, but they've got Taylor. They've got the NFL's best offensive line. They're okay at wide receiver. They're a mediocre team. They're, they're a middling team. They're a 500 team. And in, quite frankly, in the division, that Houston could still win it. The Titans, who I pick, could still win it. We'll see what they do tonight at Denver. And Denver's all beat up, as you and I talked about last week. But that that AFC South is completely up for the grabs to me, though I did, for the second straight year, pick the Titans to win it. Well, what did you think
0: of uh, Drew Brees and the Saints? Uh, I thought they picked apart the Bucs.
4: They did. And by the way, my Super Bowl picks last week, it's on my Twitter account, Saints, Chiefs, Saints defense. Why do we not talk about the Saints defense? Look how well they've drafted the last four years. When they made the front office change, Jeff Ireland, the former Dolphins GM, They gave him a lot of control there. He does a phenomenal job of drafting. They have a terrific D-line, great secondary. Tom Brady, hey, by the way, Tom Brady did not throw the ball well. No one ever said he had a great arm, just an accurate arm, but he had trouble driving the football downfield. We need to keep an eye on that. And this game was indoors, by the way, so you you didn't have to worry about weather. We need to keep an eye on this because he was not in sync with Mike Evans, who really basically got shut out in that game, though he's playing with a hamstring injury. Uh, Chris Godwin didn't have a big game. They, they really had a lot of trouble in that game with the football downfield. That, that did surprise me a little bit, but the Saints are for real. They got they got embarrassed last year in playoffs by Minnesota. Scott, Minnesota came out with a different defensive front that they had not seen on tape. But the bottom line is now the Saints learn from it. They're a terrific football team, very well coached. They're getting the Super Bowl this year. You could You, you could book that if everybody's healthy. So I thought that uh,
0: despite two fumbles, I thought Josh Allen came up big for the Bills. I thought they looked good. Uh, I know the Jets looked bad, but I think the Bills did what they wanted to do. They executed for McDermott. I could care less what the Jets were doing.
4: Yeah, he's a great head coach, but let me talk about Josh Allen. See, he, Here's where I'll disagree with you. Josh Allen's numbers are phenomenal, and, and there are two things that I had a problem with in yesterday's game, and I know that they don't want him to run that much. He, he, he makes one, one and a half for Ethan Runs. 14 rushes. I know he's a big guy. Eventually, he's going to get hurt. Let the play progress. They added Stefan Diggs. He also missed at least three touchdown passes. Wildly high. He missed Dawson Knox at tight end for a clear touchdown. No one covered him. He missed Diggs for a potential touchdown. His accuracy is always an issue, Scott. Day one, their defense annihilated the Jets. The score was not even close to what it really was. fact of the matter is, Josh Allen's got to be better. I know the numbers look good, but that's not exactly how he played.
0: So uh, Carver Hyde just texted me. Let me read the text. I'm going to beat Adam's ass when he talks about my team like this any further. I don't know what that means. Uh, what did you think of um, DeAndre Hopkins? Carver High's a huge Bills fan. He's not going to listen to your rhetoric about the Bills uh, is what yeah. he just told me in Portuguese. What did you think of DeAndre Hopkins? I got about 90 seconds.
4: What's great. He got wide open. Uh, he did a great job. This is this is what they were thinking with him. They needed a go-to guy because Larry Fitzgerald cannot do it anymore. Christian Kirk's a good football player. It's more of their number two receiver. Hopkins gave him what they wanted, but the defense, though, hung in there against Jimmy Garoppolo. That was a heck of a win. I did not pick the Cardinals in that game, I'll tell you. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think they'd win it. I'm not panicking if I'm a Niner fan, but I'll tell you, not having DeForest Buckner at defensive tackle is a big problem. He's now in Indy. They are not the same defensive front without that player. He's a phenomenal football player that not a lot of people know about.
0: I bet on the uh, Cardinals in that game. Now, who do you like tonight? Are you going Steelers and Titans?
4: I am going Titans easily. We talked about this last week. Bradley Chubb coming back from his ACL. Von Miller done. Titans win. They're going to steamroll. And then I love the Steelers to destroy that giant secondary. I expect them to come out throwing with Ben once he gets over the jitters. You and I talked about this last week. Once he gets over those jitters, it should be his second pass. They're going to throw against that secondary, and they're going they, If they don't score over thirty points, I'd be shocked.
0: That's what I'm talking about, Kaplan. I love when you give me some love on my Steelers. I love it. Hey, uh, Adam, great stuff. I'll talk to you later in the week. Always look forward to your segments. Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider. Thanks so much for coming on Coast to Coast. When we come back, we're still getting rich. We got a lot more to do, uh, including some college football.
2: SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, 24/7, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: All right, uh, Carver High Reds up one zip in the fifth over the Pirates in Game One of the doubleheader. Marlon's up. Uh, 4-1 on the Phillies after four. Cards, Brewers, game one, double dip, scoreless. A's, Mariners, game one, double dip. A's up, one zip, top two. There you go, baseball. I know we're going to start with these uh, two Monday night football games here.
5: Yeah, let's get your uh, take for tonight, Scotty. The uh, traditional opening week doubleheader on Monday night. We start with your Steelers, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern. They are at MetLife to take on the Giants minus five and a half. I actually just saw it creep to now minus six on FanDuel. What do you think with your squad tonight, Scotty?
0: Yeah, I think the Steelers uh, should be able to handle their business in this football game. I will give you, and I've said this before, they have never played well, in my view, in this uh, you know stadium, or frankly. Uh, the old one either. The Giants games and Jet games that they've played in New York and East Rutherford, New Jersey, have been uh, pathetic. I went to that game last year with the Jets. They had two first downs, maybe maybe a couple more, but it seemed like two first downs. The entire game It's the most embarrassing Steeler game I've ever been to in my life. But I think the uh, Giants have all kinds of problems, and I think one of them is talent. I don't think they have any. I like Jones, I like Barkley, and it ends there. I mean, I'll give you Logan Ryan maybe, but he's not going to be able to stop all those receivers the Steelers have or their running game or that defense of the Steelers. I think Jones is going to be running for his life. I'm on the Steelers in this game. Now, the second game, I'm not going to change my pick that I gave out last week at the beginning of the week. I do my picks on on PharrellOnTheBench.com early in the week, And I was on the Broncos, and in that game initially, uh, I was getting, or I was laying one and a half. Now they're getting three. So I'll take the three with Denver. I'm going to bet that Locke will keep them in that game in the thin air, in the altitude. I think it's going to be a problem. Uh, for the Titans last year, they beat them 16, nothing there. And the Titans were a better team than the Broncos going into that game as well. I think, you know, Adam Kaplan said it, that the Titans are going to crush the Broncos. Now, look, I know they lost Von Miller and Cortland Sutton, but that's it. It's not the end of the world. It's not like, uh, they're going to fold up shop and, and, uh, not play the game. I think they have to go for it with drew lock and try to win this game at home, take advantage of the fact that the Titans had to travel out there and have to play with no oxygen. I'm telling you, I don't care if there's fans there or not. It will have a factor in this game in the second half. I thought a lot of teams yesterday in the heat in the second half wilted like leaves on a fall tree. I think, honestly, you saw it. Guys were not in game shape because they played no preseason games. They just scrimmaged amongst themselves because of the covid I think that hurts the Titans. Now, the Titans should win this game. They should go out there and beat this team with all their problems, uh, with you know player injuries, Novan Miller, et cetera, et cetera, something. They got nothing going for them, the Broncos, but I still like their quarterback to be in this game, and I'm going to take him. I'm not going to change my pick now. I got to roll with the Broncos tonight.
5: And no Golden Tate. Uh, that was just announced, Scotty. So he's not going to play for the Giants tonight. They'll be down one of their better receivers. You'll see plenty of Slayton, I guess, for Daniel Jones to be throwing to. Right. Uh there wasn't a there wasn't a great schedule of college football games over the weekend, Scotty, but there was games and a couple of them were a little zany. Uh first of all, you knew that Clemson was going to put it on Wake Forest. You know, they, they got up like thirty plus points in the first half and then they basically didn't play in the second and cover. half and allowed They didn't cover. They allowed Wake to score, you know, one or two touchdowns and then no cover for them. Trevor Lawrence uh, made it no surprise to everybody. He's going to enter the draft. This will be his last year at Clemson. And I guess you could say, Scotty, uh, the race is on for who's going to have the number one pick in the NFL draft. Right. To get this kid.
0: Well, obviously, and I think everyone knew that he was going to go and be the number one pick in the NFL draft next year. You know, barring injury, this year he needs to stay healthy. They got a really good team. Uh, I thought they went at around 75% against Wake Forest. Uh, They should have won that game by, you know, they should have put 50 on him. Uh, I know people uh, know that Wake has had... Uh, you know, several, I think four in a row bowl seasons So they're not as bad as everybody thinks. And they covered. When you are favored by that much and don't cover, it's a loss to me. Like, I did not think that Clemson looked good in that game. I thought they looked like they didn't care that, that it was like an average performance for them. But we know uh, he's the best player in college football, at least uh, on the outset. But I wasn't that impressed with him on Saturday, to be honest with you. I watched the game. I thought they looked like they were bored.
5: Uh, same thing, I think, with Notre Dame in the first half at South Bend, uh, Scotty. They were struggling with Duke. Uh, you know, it was like you know six three. They just weren't doing anything. Now they pulled away a little in the second half to win the game, but like you said, they did not cover the number. Didn't play well altogether. I thought that book made some horrible throws uh, for picks in the first half, but the Irish do start want to know before they take on South Florida at South Bend this Saturday?
0: Well, look, uh, you know, that'll be an easier game for them. I think Cudliff is a really good coach, and it's obvious that Duke is no longer just a uh, basketball school. Cudliff's done a great job of the football program, and they were in that game from the jump. They got the ball. And they marched down the field on Notre Dame, and they slung it around. They made all kinds of plays. I thought Notre Dame looked terrible on Saturday. That's all there is to it. And I did not think Ian Book looked good at all. So, uh, Brian Kelly, how about they announced his extension at halftime in the middle of the game. Like, what's next? We're going to have dinner at his house? I mean, like, I couldn't believe it. Right, right in the middle of the game, and the, the game they could barely win, they announced they're keeping him for another uh, couple of years. Uh, he's there through twenty-four. Brian Kelly deserves to be there through 2030, the way he's done a a job in South Bend with the Irish. As far as I'm going to win 10 games every year, what more can you ask for from a college football coach than to win 10 or 11 games every single year?
5: Yeah, they were saying that he signed it in January. They were going to announce it at the spring game. Obviously, that did not happen because of the pandemic. So the right. AD Swarbrick said they decided to announce it uh, during the Duke game on Saturday. Really nice job by Mike Norvell in his first game as Florida State head coach. Horrible. Uh, they they come out the first two drives of the game, Scotty. They put 10 points on the board. You think that they're going to blow George Tech out, and then they proceed to do nothing the rest of the way, they end up losing the game sixteen to thirteen at home. Awful job by Norvell in his first game.
0: Yeah, Florida State still sucks. Bottom line, I can't believe it. Uh, I got burned on that game. The thing that bothered me was this little halftime. He knew he was on camera, the overhead like drone camera, and he gave his like entire team, the other team's already in the locker room, and you you round up the whole lasso, every guy on the team and make them stand and listen to you give them a rah-rah speech on the sideline at halftime, like, we're all in this, let's stay focused together as a unit and, and fight for one another and we'll be good to go, let's follow the plan I love you guys, it was so pathetic and cheesy, they deserve to lose the game like, who does that at, at halftime uh, and you know you're on camera and you're trying to get yourself camera time I have been cheesed out by this guy with everything he's done since he's been in Tallahassee, including fighting with his own players a week after he got there. So nice job, Mike. Nice start down in Tallahassee. Now they hate your guts. You've been there uh, for a couple months, and they turned on you in a hurry. You lose down in Tallahassee, you're going to be like the other coaches. They all ended up getting fired.
5: Real good good weekend, Scotty, for the Big 12. Let me tell you, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, they win at Iowa State. They get a bunch of special touchdowns and an upset. Arkansas State goes to Manhattan and beats Kansas State uh, in a shootout. And then you had Coastal Carolina going to Lawrence late on Saturday night and beating Les Miles and the Jayhawks for the second year in a row, basically trash-talking the Jayhawks the entire game as well. Uh, Good weekend for the Sun Belt, I guess you could say, with those three teams. Bad weekend for the Big 12, Scotty.
0: Yeah, listen, I hit the Louisiana game, but how embarrassing were some of the other games, like... Uh, First of all, Kansas uh, swinging a miss. And then how about this one? Texas Tech was laying 40 against Houston Baptist. They beat them by two. Does that let you know where you're at when you can't beat Houston Baptist by more than two points and you're a big 12 team? You should have laid them out by 50 to 60 points and you beat them 35-33. That was the most embarrassing game of the day, bar none, was Texas Tech, I got to tell you. And then, like I told you, Texas put 59 on UTEP. I hit that Tulane game both ways. Bama getting all the points against Tulane. Tulane stole the game at the end. I middled that. I hit USF. I hit Oklahoma. They put 48 on Missouri State. This is what you do when you're a good team. And Pitt, I laid 27 and a half. They blew out Austin P 55 zip. And I hit that Texas-San Antonio spread. West Virginia laid out Eastern Kentucky and covered the big number of 40. They beat them 56-10. Uh, And North Carolina barely covered, you know, they scored three times in the fourth quarter, rushing the ball to cover against uh, Dino's team, Syracuse. Syracuse should have covered that game. They died in Chapel Hill in the fourth quarter. Those kids were dead tired and they got steamrolled. They should have covered. I blame everyone that went to Syracuse to college there. I blame all of you and your families and your ancestors.
5: Yeah, it was ten six 10-6 game going into the fourth quarter, and they put up Come three on. touchdowns, 21 points to get the cover. You had Syracuse on Saturday. That was a very You mentioned You mentioned Texas winning that game. They were the one Big 12 team that did have a good day, but uh, their safety, B.J. Foster, uh, he decided to go home. He quit during the third quarter. I guess that he How did. About that I guess kid. He did. I guess he didn't like the amount of playing time he was getting, so B.J. Foster decided to go home, Scotty. I now give to you the new AP Top 25 for this week. Let's take a look. You know that Clemson is still going to be at the top, but the tricky thing about this, Scotty, is that you now have all of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 teams out So you see uh, in the top five, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Florida, LSU in the mix, Notre Dame, and Texas into the top ten at number nine, Texas A&M at ten. But at the back end of the 25, Scotty, you have teams like Louisiana Lafayette who won at Iowa State. You have Army in there who's won two weeks in a row. Without those other two big conferences, you actually have a few of these smaller schools hanging around at the back end of the top 25 Va and Virginia. They were supposed to play this Saturday, Scotty, no more. That game is now postponed after a COVID spike in Blacksburg. Ooh. So another Ooh. game, uh, another, listen, we, are going to be doing a lot of this, unfortunately. And the ACC did say that they would postpone the season. If fewer than eight teams are available to play. So not a good scene in Blacksburg this Saturday, Scotty.
0: Well, obviously, uh, that game's toast. But the fact is, I I don't think the ACC is going to get to a point, frankly, where they only have eight teams playing. I think the ACC uh, will get in their games. It's going to be fine. I think the thing that everybody uh, is waiting for is the Big Ten. I mean, that's what we're waiting for. I I have no idea. Like, they met over the weekend. They listened to all the doctors. And then, frankly, these clowns still didn't vote on whether or not they're going to play football. If I were the families of these kids now, I'm starting to lose my temper. Like, why didn't they just do the vote then? What are they waiting for? The second coming? I don't understand what they're doing at all there. Uh, It makes no sense. There's going to be games canceled in every conference that's playing. That's all there is to it. The thing that I'm waiting to see is if they have pro football postponements because of the COVID. That's what matters is all that money on the table in the NFL and those TV deals. And if NFL teams get hit with it, how are they going to handle those makeups? And I have no idea what they're going to do with college makeups. My guess is with college, they're just not going to play the games at all.
5: A little bit of golf here before we get out of here, Scotty. 47-year-old Stuart Sink. He picks up his first PGA Tour win since 2009. Stewie. He won the sixth-way Open over the weekend. Scotty Scheffler withdraws from the U.S. Open. He tested positive for COVID. And when we come back, Scotty, I will give to you the odds for this weekend, U.S. Open at Wingfoot. How about that? What?
0: And by the way, Stewart Singh partied harder than anyone when he won the Clara Jug. He's still drunk.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: We've had a lot of action on the grid. I saw Mafia on Saturday night doing a show with KW talking MMA and everything else. And then Carver High had it going Friday and Saturday doing shows with Wetzel and your boy Smitty. I mean, it is just chaos over here on the grid. You got to get on the grid, son. By the way, uh, Dodgers and Padres tonight, I I told you I took uh, the Padres. Uh, As my number three play, Lamette against Kershaw. High risk bet there. Going to be great at uh, Petco tonight. That is a huge game at around nine ten east, six ten in the west. That should be a great baseball game tonight. Plus a doubleheader on Monday night football, and then you got the Stars and Knights playing tonight. Uh, So that should be fantastic. Just so you know, A's up, one zip in the third on the Mariners in game one of the doubleheader. Brewers card still scoreless, top three, game one, doubleheader. Uh, That Marlins game now after five, 4-1 Marlins over the Phillies and the Reds up, one zip in the sixth on the Pirates on a Joey Votto home run to left. So uh, Carver High, what do you got? U.S. Open wing foot, odds, what's going on there?
5: Yes, we have made it. The rescheduled U.S. Open is this weekend at Wingfoot. Let's take a look at the odds right now, Scotty. Dustin Johnson plus eight fifty. He is your uh, high leader right now on the board. Rom ten to one right after him. Justin Thomas fourteen to one. Xander Schauffele also fourteen to one. Rory. Usually, you see Rory a little higher up, but with the way he's played, Scotty, you can get Rory at a pretty good sixteen to one price this weekend. That's not too bad.
0: I'd bet on that Xander Shoffley at 14 and Thomas. I'd throw a bone on both of them. I still think uh, DJ's uh, been on fire for a month. He has led every tournament after 54 holes. He's been dangerous. He's been incredible. So uh, I'm sticking with him. In terms of uh, everything else, I know uh, incredibly – Uh, Osaka won her third Grand Slam. Dominic Thiem beats Vera for his first Grand Slam. Great job by them at the U.S. Open. I'll see you tonight on Pharrell on a Bench.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid.
1: SportsGrid.com.